Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by St. Louis Cardinals Baseball. Cardinal tickets are on sale now and start at $55. Details at cardinals.com slash holiday. Okay, three, two, one, hit it. It's the Chris and Amy Show. You know who it is. Also, if you didn't know, this is called the show. Now, Amy Marks scores Chris Ranji on KMOX. Well, that doesn't look like Amy Marks course. It is not. Because it's John Hancock. It Good morning, is. everybody. Good morning, St. Louis. Anybody listening on the Odyssey app around the world? Wow. You can listen anywhere in the world. Kind of makes this. you nervous. Well, they might be listening in Belgium right wow. now. Wow. Having one of those waffles over there. But, oh, man. That is John Hancock filling in. For Amy today, I'm Chris Ranji. Amy will be back tomorrow. The phone number to visit with us, as always, 314-436-7900. The line's open. You can also text us at that number. You can leave us a voicemail at 314-944-1120. And we're on all those social media platforms at Chris Amy KMOX. Time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. Special counsel Jack Smith has asked the Supreme Court to decide whether or not former President Donald Trump has immunity in the election interference case. He has until the 20th. They have until the 20th, or they've given his attorneys until the 20th to decide whether or not that is the case. And Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is meeting with U.S. Senators and has a meeting with Speaker of the House Mike Johnson today, seeking more funding for their war against Russia. And we talked yesterday about the richest free agent sports contract in history with Shohei Otani. Some new deals or new details on that deal. Just a remarkable contract that we will get into a little bit later on. John Hancock, a big baseball guy, so he is very interested in that deal that Otani has signed. It's it's something else. It's I remarkable. thought the deal was crazy when we saw the, how much money. Not, I, I shouldn't say crazy because I don't think it's crazy. I think he will be worth every bit of that contract and then some for the Dodgers. Forget about, um, forget about production. I'm talking about value. They're going to make that oh, money back yeah. and then some. So um, just that alone. But then you hear what some of the details are and a huge detail. And we're going to get into that uh, later on in the show today. It's just never heard of anything like it and wondering what will be coming as a result of it. So um, we will talk about that, John. Yes. I mentioned right off the top that special counsel Jack Smith has asked the Supreme Court sort of a sort of expediting the process yeah. because it was supposed to go through the appellate court, but he just went straight to SCOTUS and said, okay, here's the deal. Want to know, is former president Donald Trump immune from any election uh, interference the, during that case? Is he immune from any prosecution because he was president at the time? So some of these crimes, does the presidency give him immunity 
and they have agreed to look into it. Yeah, the court's so, going to look into it. They're going to look into it. They have given Trump's legal team until the 20th to file a response. So it's this is very unusual that they have done this. Um, but is it a good thing? Well, it's a, it's a high-risk uh, gambit by Smith because if the court should rule that Donald Trump de- does have immunity, then the D.C. case is gone, and at least as it relates to Trump, and uh, and probably the Georgia case is gone as it relates to Trump. So this is a major decision. Now, most legal experts that I've heard uh, expect the court will rule that the president does not have such immunity, uh, and then that would that would expedite the case going to trial. They they want to get that trial going in the first part of March. Uh, what's going to be March interesting is the start date, which right? is National yeah. Go Ahead Day, March fourth. It so, is it's when we March fourth, oh, wow. and uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, well, you're you're replacing Amy nicely. Well, thank you. The, but you know the jury selection on that thing. Uh, they've already, I think, started with some instructions and so forth. But the jury selection for that case could take weeks, if not months. Yeah, this is it's just a really fascinating thing, all of it. I guess fascinating if you were looking at it from 30,000 feet and it's not your country where your former president is being <laughs> right. tried in multiple cases. Right. Uh, it would be a lot better if it weren't your country. But it, it is still just from a legal perspective interesting to see what's happening here and how this is all going to go down. I wonder if he is wondering privately that, hey, I appointed three of these judges. Won't they do right by me? Because he seems to be very interested in loyalty. Um, I shouldn't even say seems. He very much is interested in loyalty because he says it all the time explicitly. Uh, This guy's not loyal to me. This person is. So loyalty is his thing. Is he going to expect that because of the fact he has appointed a third of the Supreme Court, that they're going to side with him. Well, that's certainly his hope, I would think, if if you're Donald Trump. And, and then you still need to have two additional justices. And uh, the speculation is that, you know, Alito and Thomas could potentially be the most likely to join that trio. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not an attorney. I'm not a constitutional scholar. But of the folks I've listened to, I... I don't think this will be a close call on the court. I expect the court will say that the president doesn't have immunity. And uh, this whole series of legal events surrounding Donald Trump, are all of them are setting precedent for uh, how future leaders are going to be dealt with in, in the legal system. It's really an interesting, uh, tragic, yet interesting circumstance. I know there are a lot of people who are talking about a potential second term for him. And I never really know I – don't, I don't know how far to go um, as far as being concerned about a second term. There are people who believe, hey, if, if he gets elected, this is you – wor- you've been worried about democracy. This is it. This is it if he comes back because he's all about retribution. He's already decided he's going to um, go after media he doesn't like or people he doesn't like. So this could be the end of democracy as we know it. We have been hearing that a lot, and I feel like we heard it a lot during his last presidency. So is this people who are raising those alarm bells, is that hyperbole or is there something to it? I think it's largely hyperbole. Um, You know, it's clear to me that Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee for president, barring some 
act of God, literally at this point. And and if you believe the polls, he's going to stands a very good chance of defeating Joe Biden. If Joe Biden ends up being the Democratic nominee, I'm not convinced that that's a done deal personally. Uh, but to say that it's going to be the end of democracy is, uh, yeah, I think that's a bit hyperbolic. Uh, you, you've got a you've got a legal system in place, and the courts, regardless of what you may think about everything that's happened around the 2020 election and all of that stuff, the courts got it right, uh, without exception. I mean, every one of those cases was adju- was adjudicated, and several were adjudicated by just judges that Trump had appointed uh, at the district court level, and. So the president can, you know, desire to act unilaterally, but there are limits and, uh, and the, you know, the legal system, I think, is going to be able to respond accordingly if the president would do something that's uh, unconstitutional. Could he conceivably, you know, this will this would be hypothetically his second time around. Yeah. So you usually learn after your first time. Is it conceivable that he could appoint or have enough people around him who would do whatever he wants and never turn on him that that's something like what we're talking about could happen? Well, there's always going to be a redress through the courts. And and so but I do have concerns, Chris, about the caliber of, of what the cabinet may look like uh, and and some of the senior leadership positions in the government, because, frankly, Donald Trump went through people in his first term more more people in a shorter time than any president in history, I, I believe. And if you look at the way the former people who served him speak of him, so many of them, I think he's <laughs> the pool of prospective uh, applicants is going to be pretty thin, I'm afraid. And I don't know that we're going to have um, – Certainly, I don't expect to have the same caliber of people. I thought Trump did a pretty good job picking a cabinet uh, right out of the gate. He had some good people in that cabinet. Uh, And even controversial people like Rex Tillerson, you know, when you dig in and look at Rex Tillerson's background, he was that was a pretty good choice for secretary of state. Unusual choice, but a pretty good one. So but I I do have concerns about who's going to serve in a second Trump administration. You have to think that the next time around, after everything that's happened, the people who would say yes or people who would say yes to him anytime, yeah. whenever, f- about whatever, right? So I understand that concern. You mentioned Joe Biden, and I know we've had this conversation. I think the last time we sat in together, mm-hmm. you were still not quite convinced that Biden is going to be the nominee. It doesn't seem like from his side at all there is any intention of him stepping aside so somebody else could do it. Well, certainly that's what the public appearances are, but you can't ignore the fact that there has been uh, a coordinated campaign putting Gavin Newsom out front. They, they put him on Fox News with Hannity debating Ron DeSantis. They they sent him to a, a debate to do the post. Now, let me, ask, let me ask you this. Is, is that... Is that the Democratic Party behind that, or is that just Newsom who has enough juice and is friends with Han? I don't know if I want to call him friends, but right. they are certainly friendly with one another. Is it is it just him taking it upon himself? Well, he's got a he's got a political infrastructure. All of these guys, uh, you know, some bigger than others, but he's a governor of California. He's got a team of political people that are around him, and they're I would have to imagine are pretty well connected within the National Democratic Party ranks. 
And if you're looking at the polling data, there's more CNN poll just came out the other day. Uh, Joe Biden is getting his clock cleaned by Donald Trump. And if you're a Democrat looking at that, you got to think, wow, you know, and, and so the fact that the, all of this newsome planting has been going on leads me to conclude that the folks that are desperate to win this election are, are going to see that Joe Biden is a real impediment to that. I want to ask you more about the polling, and we'll do that when we come back. That is John Hancock. I'm Chris Ranji. The number to visit with us, 314-436-7900. You can always drop us a voicemail at 944-1120. It's the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. John Hancock and Chris Ranji today. John is in for Amy Marks Cores. We were just discussing uh, the polling and What's happening with what the the appearance at right now is that uh, President Biden is and would be losing to President Trump, former President Trump, if there is an election that is held now. Do you think that polling that comes out on December 11th of the previous year Mm -hmm. before we get to the election? And I know we go back and look historically at approval numbers and. Right now, Biden is at at the lowest of any president in the last, what, uh, 10 presidencies? Yeah, very long time. At this point, Mm -hmm. which I still don't quite understand. I know that people don't like him, and I know they don't like the age, but I don't think it is nearly as bad as the narrative has been. Um, Do you think the polling matters now in this case because it is not quite normal? This isn't... This isn't a normal election cycle. (laughs) We haven't had one in a while, to be honest, but this is just not normal. So what happens by the time we get to November of 2024? Well, here's what we do know from from now, because the poll is a snapshot of now. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. doesn't necessarily predict what's going to happen in the future. But what it does show for now is that the messaging coming out of the White House has been uh, they've really been pushing this Bidenomics theme that the economy is getting better. Economic numbers come out and they trumpet those the jobs. Inflation's you know, down. Inflation's down. Yep. You got all of that stuff. And they are, they're trying to construct a positive vote for Joe Biden message out there, okay? And what the polling indicates is that that is not working. So if it's not working now, it's not to say it won't ever work, but it, it's clearly not working now. And so they, they, they're either going to have to go back to the drawing board on, on a, from a messaging standpoint and, and make the campaign a referendum on Trump because both of these guys are way upside down in terms of their favorable ratings with the general electorate. Both of them are. And if the if the election is a referendum on Trump, I think Biden has a better chance to win. Now, if it's a referendum on Biden and his performance and his, you know, Bidenomics, uh, that's getting him nowhere. It's not working. And it's not working because all of us go out and we buy groceries and the inflation's down. But the, what it's costing us to live is a lot more uh, than it than it cost us to live two years ago. And that's just true for everybody. And so um 
if a good jobs report comes out, it doesn't mean very much to somebody who goes to the store and has to decide, okay, I'm going to, can I, do I want to buy two pounds of hamburger at $10 a pound? Yeah. But, but it's also true globally. And the fact, the fact is the United States has done better in post COVID recovery than any other Western country. Yep. We just have, but people don't, don't think about that. Now, do you believe that if it were still Donald Trump president or another Republican president, would the prices be better? No, uh, not in the short term, uh, you wouldn't think. Because, and I'll tell you, one of the things I really didn't like about the Trump era, and there was a lot of stuff that, that Trump did as president that I applauded, but the government spending under Donald Trump was very high, ridiculously high. And the COVID spending that uh, he presided over was, I think, very destabilizing and and contributory to some of the inflationary pressures that we have now. And and, it, and I've seen no evidence that Donald Trump has any desire to really curb federal spending. So uh, in terms of inflation, I mean, it, curbing federal spending is not going to fix inflation, but it would help. And so, you know, uh, I, we'll see. John, uh, I, I mentioned this to you in the office just because um, – it, it was within the last 12 hours, I guess. Maybe it happened last night or this morning. Um, but uh, Chris Sununu offered his support for presidential candidate Nikki Haley, who I think has done pretty well during the GOP primary debate debates. Um, I don't like everything about her. Sure. But I think she is a reasonable person for the most part. I don't believe in all of her policy ideas. But I do think that uh, maybe I'm grading against a curve here. Because there's just when you put her up against Vivek, she looks pretty appealing. So um, she gets this endorsement from Sununu, and I know we're trying to play this game of maybe could somebody else potentially. Does it matter? Does it matter that Sununu so. is behind her? No, I don't think so. And if you look at the Trump support and all of the polling data of Republican primary voters and caucus goers, is Donald Trump's support isn't just broad, but it's strong. I mean, these people are committed to voting right. for him. And, and <clears throat> even in a two-way race, I still think he's the, you know, easily the nominee. So, but for an act of God, uh, Donald Trump's going to be the Republican nominee for president. There is some uh, word that Liz Cheney is considering a third party run, an independent run. If she gets on the ballot, would she be able to take enough votes away from the Republican nominee that it could swing the election. So uh, the, the folks for whom Liz Cheney would appeal um, have probably already left the Trump train. Uh, I don't know that she's going to. So she would potentially take Republican votes that would have gone to Biden because they can't countenance Donald Trump. She gets those people. Uh but that actually probably helps Donald Trump in terms of winning a plurality of the vote in these battleground states. So I don't know that that is necessarily a, a good if – the, if the objective is to defeat Donald Trump, I don't think that's necessarily a smart political play. That's interesting. Does any third-party candidate help Biden or do they all um, hypothetically hurt him? Well, I mean the polling right now – indicates that they hurt him. Even even Kennedy, who they thought, you know, when yeah. Robert Kennedy would get in, he would take some of the Trump conspiracy type voters away. Doesn't seem to have that effect. 
uh, the CNN poll. We saw the New York Times Siena poll, what was three, four weeks ago, uh, that do offer all the various candidates in there. They throw in uh, Stein, Jill Stein, the Green Party, and uh, uh, the academic uh, Cornell West. They oh, throw yeah, him Cornell in West. There. Yep. Um, and all of that seems to be helping Donald Trump. John Hancock in for Amy Marks Corps. I'm Chris Ranji. We were talking about this Supreme Court issue and them deciding whether or not former President Trump is immune from prosecution. Greg Storr covers the Supreme Court for Bloomberg News. He's with us next on KMOX. It is rare that you would see the Supreme Court say we're not going to let the as Court of Appeals, in this case, the D.C. Circuit, weigh in. Now, certainly we have seen that there are emergency circumstances, particularly sometimes involving presidents, where the Supreme Court will step in very quickly. I mean, we can think about Bush v. Gore, and we can also think about cases involving former President Nixon. Jessica Levinson, CBS News legal contributor, discussing the situation with former President Donald Trump and the Supreme Court. Uh, This is all pertaining to the election interference case, which is set to begin on March 4th. And to discuss this situation with us, sort of an unprecedented situation, we go to the Quiver River Electric guest line today. And Greg Storr, a Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter, is with us now on KMOX. Good morning, Greg. Thank you for being with us. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. So how unusual is this? It's pretty unusual, although it's happened more frequently in recent years. <clears throat> uh, this is a process known as cert before judgment, and that sounds really uh, lawyerly, but really what it means is just bypassing the federal appeals court, going straight from a federal district court to the Supreme Court, because a case is so important, needs to be decided so urgently. The Supreme Court has been more willing in the last few years to do that sort of thing. Is it sort of a a situation now, because they've gone this direction, that there's going to be an appearance of, well, maybe they're doing it the wrong way or, you know, see, um, he's he's got an agenda here. You know, will it be viewed that way or is this actually a kind of a normal thing to do? So it will certainly be viewed that way by some people. Um, that said, there is a pretty good argument for why the Supreme Court should jump in sooner rather than wait. First of all, it's an issue that, that everyone, I think, agrees the Supreme Court ultimately will have to decide whether Donald Trump is, is totally immune from actions he took as president uh, when it comes to criminal liability. And you know, we have a presidential campaign going on. Uh, there's a pretty strong argument, although Jack Smith you know, didn't make this argument because he, he doesn't want to be making these political arguments. But there's a pretty strong argument that one way or another, uh, the, it will serve the public to know the answer to that question before we get to the point where Donald Trump is the Republican nominee and before we get to the point where people are deciding whether or not to vote for him for president. So the Supreme Court is going to rule on this immunity claim by Donald Trump uh, that's going to take place. I don't know how long that's going to take. I guess probably nobody does. But 
the underlying case, the claim for immunity, is there any precedent whatsoever? Was there a precedent during the Nixon era? Is there any precedent whatsoever for this claim of immunity as president? So, so let, let me first start with the timeline because I just want to be want to be clear about something. The Supreme Court, um, I predict the Supreme Court ultimately will decide this, but in terms of whether they're going to decide it now, the Supreme Court hasn't said yet. We'll probably know that based on the briefing schedule the court laid out yesterday. We'll probably know that before Christmas or certainly before the new year, whether the Supreme Court will take this issue up right now. In terms of the precedent for it, the, the answer is really no. This claim is not one. This argument that a president is absolutely immune from things he, he did as president, and that's what Donald Trump is arguing, that has not been tested. Uh, it, 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 so that would be something new. The Nixon precedents, um, you know, certainly bear on that. For example, Gerald, Por- Gerald Ford, when he pardon Richard Nixon, sort of acted under the presumption that Richard Nixon could be prosecuted for things he did as president. So it's it's relevant, but there's not a direct precedent on it. Yeah, this is all going to be very fascinating as it unfolds. And uh, is there a concern that uh, maybe Jack Smith's case is going to dissolve here uh, in the U.S. Supreme Court? Most of the analysts that I've heard speak to this, uh, Greg, seem to think that the court is not going to side with the claim of immunity. You know, I, I wouldn't want to hazard a prediction except to say that when it comes to Donald Trump's actions, um, when it comes to sort of his personal liability for, for, for matters, this is not a court that has been reflexively pro-Trump. It certainly agreed with Trump as president on a number of occasions, but even the the uh, the justices he appointed, and there are three of them, uh, ha- have not uh, tended to agree with him on things like, uh, you know, turning over documents and, and, and letting various investigations of him go forward. So I'm not sure I'm going to you know, jump on board and say I predict that the Supreme Court's going to going to side with Donald Trump here. Certainly, Jack Smith has a number of obstacles he has to overcome to win a conviction here. This is one of them. There will be more down the road. But uh, I'm, I'm not so sure that this is one that he can't overcome. Greg Store covers the Supreme Court for Bloomberg News with us now on KMOX. This is such a, a fascinating situation. And the question I asked uh, uh, John, we were talking about this earlier, is would there be, and maybe this is an unanswerable question, um, but would there be the possibility that because Trump has appointed a third of this Supreme Court, that maybe there's an expectation that they would lean in his favor on this. Is that possible or would it even matter? You know, I, I suspect Donald Trump may have that expectation. But, you know, you just go back, go back to, for example, the fight over the, the, the 2020 election. And uh, those three justices, uh, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, were not the ones who said we should take up this this lawsuit that that aimed to overturn the results in in, in several states, uh, they, they are, as I suggested earlier, not justices who have been, uh, you know, knee jerk supporting Donald Trump in the way that perhaps perhaps he would like. You know, probably the the. The, the most likely votes for him uh, are ones that might come from a couple of the more established justices, conservatives, Clarence Thomas and, and Sam Alito. Again, this is all pretty speculative because this is not a, an issue the Supreme Court has had to deal with before. So it, it's a little hard to say I know how a particular justice is going to come out.
We know that uh, chief executives uh, of states, governors, uh, have been prosecuted for actions that they took in office right next door. Rod Blagojevich went to federal prison over actions he took as governor of Illinois. Are any of those issues potentially presidential here as it relates to the president of the United States? Probably not, just because we are dealing here with the U.S. Constitution and uh, things like what effect does the impeachment clause have on a criminal prosecution? That's one of Donald Trump's arguments uh, or kind of a a portion of his argument. He is saying, look, because they tried to impeach me for something somewhat similar and uh, while they did impeach him, uh, he wasn't convicted. He is essentially saying, um, you know, double jeopardy protects me here. And so those are and those are U.S. constitutional issues. So uh, I'm not sure that a state prosecution will will matter all that much. I mean, I, I, I do think the kind of general sense that no one in this country should be above the law will will pervade among uh, you know, some of the justices and, and, and maybe uh, most or all of the justices. Uh, but in terms of, uh, you know, a, an exact precedent, I'm not sure it's there. Yeah, and the district court ruling on this very question was pretty decisive. I mean, it it basically said he was operating in a campaign capacity uh, as opposed to his office of the president during much of that November-December time period. Uh, And it also uh, poo-pooed the double jeopardy claim that was made, and, and it was a decisive opinion by the district court. Yeah, it, it was very, very much. And, uh, you know, looking here at a, a, just one quote from it, she said, Judge Tanya Chutkin said that Trump's four-year service as commander-in-chief did not bestow on him the divine right of kings to evade the criminal accountability that governs his fellow citizens. So, yes, very, very much a strongly worded opinion and one that, uh, you know, seemingly Jack Smith is, is confident enough in that, it, you know, take it up to the Supreme Court and say, hey, she got it right. Uh, you should affirm what she did. I know this isn't a a Supreme Court case, but it it is sort of, um, you know, adjacent to election interference. And there is the Rudy Giuliani defamation suit where he has been sued by two election workers in Georgia for defamation. And yesterday he goes to the press and he says, uh, everything I said about them is true. Talking about the the people, um, they have already decided that he, the, court has already decided that he defamed them. Would he be in more trouble now because he said that to the media last night? You know, I'm not following the case, okay. that, case of that closely, so I probably shouldn't uh, sh- shouldn't speculate or, or say something beyond beyond what I know. I'm, I'm sorry. No worries. I, I just didn't know if uh, it, it seems very unusual. It would be a huge problem, but um, appreciate it. Yeah, just one I, more I, question. I, I, I oh. suppose. I, I suppose. I suppose. Just you know, <laughs> one thing I can say is that to the extent that um, the argument is that he is continuing to defame them by saying everything I said that is true, the the, the, the plaintiffs will you know should be I would think be able to argue, hey, there's even more damage here because he's continuing to do it. I don't know if the guy's got any money for them to get at in a civil <laughs> suit, but that's a, that's a matter for another day. Hey, Greg, before I let you go, there's some pretty significant cases uh, this term before the. Supreme Court. Uh, can you outline just a couple of the ones that are going to be most impactful? Yeah, well, let me actually outline one that, that they haven't, haven't agreed to take yet, but they could agree to take very soon, perhaps tomorrow morning. And it's a case involving the abortion pill, mifepristone. Uh, the, the, uh, there's a lower court ruling that put 
restrictions and, and barred uh, the mailing of, of the drug and required people who were going to who wanted to, to take it uh, to, to visit a doctor. Um, that's a court, the, the Biden administration is appealing, and that's uh, the court could act on that as soon as tomorrow. The court also has a big gun case involving the Second Amendment rights of people who are subject to domestic violence restraining orders. It's got a whole lot of technical but really important cases involving the power of federal regulatory agencies and the rules they have to, to, to follow. Uh, and then there's some social media cases, a whole variety of them, about how uh, the extent to which the government may regulate social media and, uh, you know, informally, uh, you know, put pressure on social media companies to say, you know, take down the sleeping posts. So there's a whole variety of, uh, of issues. And, of course, we may get well get more Donald Trump uh, related issues before the term is over. We have a, a message from a listener that says, can we please have a, a, a week where there is no Trump news? That would be great. So um, that person does not want you to be correct. <laughs> they, they, they would love to not have this. I have a feeling, at least with regard to the Supreme Court, given everything that is going on with the election coming up, the four criminal trials and civil trials, uh, and this argument that the, the Constitution's insurrection clause bars Trump from being on the ballot, all those things are going to make Donald Trump very much in the world of Supreme Court news. And that's even beside, you know, adding to all the other non-Supreme Court Donald Trump news. Oh, fun. Hey, Greg Storr, thank you so much. The information, great. As always, we appreciate it. My pleasure. Greg Storr, Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter with us here on KMOX. Yeah, I don't think you're going to... I mean, we could just completely ignore him. <laughs> that's, no. That's just for the not, next... That's not going to happen. I do for the think, next several months. I do think, though, that a lot of people, you know, have tuned out politics, you know, in light of everything that's happened. And that's not necessarily good for the republic. That's John Hancock. I'm Chris Ranji. His favorite segment, Did You See This? Next on KMOX. Did you see that thing? I can't believe it. Something is obviously wrong. This is a joke, right? Oh, my God. Are you freaking kidding me? No way. You got to be kidding me. Don't feel bad. There's no way you could have known that. Now, Did You See This? With Chris and Amy on the show. John, did yeah. you happen to see hmm. that the price of forever stamps has gone up? I didn't even know how much they were now. Um, now, wait a minute. The, you, the forever stamp. You buy the stamp. Yeah, and then it's good forever. It's good forever. Yeah, it's not like they used to have the 25-cent stamp, yeah. and then you'd have to keep adding. Put, put a yeah. two-cent stamp on there with so, next to it. I remember those days. So now right. you buy the forever stamp. And no matter what the postage rate is, that forever stamp is good forever. Well, for a letter. Yeah. I mean, you can't mail a big box with it. Well, no, it's, but it's forever for a letter. So the price, did you, let me ask you this. Did you know what it was before this month? It was 50 cents, wasn't it? 60 cents? You're kidding me. Yes. No, I'm not. It's true. And it's going up to 66 cents. Dang. Yes. So uh, For the, one stamp. For a first class mail letter huh. yeah isn't that crazy that is crazy so and, it's well, not forever it's just until they raise the price correct but the stamp will be good forever whatever you purchase now uh, oh so i got the 66 cent stamp yeah and in five years when you can the use postage it. is 17 dollars a letter that's right you i can, can use, use my forever that's exactly so the, so the idea would be to go and buy like two twenty five thousand dollars worth of stamps yes and then think of the money you're going to save down the road right Wow. You could sell them to people for a little bit of a markup. 
unbelievable. It's a That's business right. opportunity. It really is. Get in the forever stamp business. That's right. Wow. Oh, I, st- I have may stamp- have my retirement income figured out here. I'm telling you the last time I purchased stamps yeah. was... I was still living in Chicago, so this is before 2017. You have not bought stamps in the last six years. That's correct, and I'm still using the book. Wow. That's how long it's been. So, I mean, when you occasionally have to mail something. Don't you but pay bills? Not, No, I do it online. Uh, it's It just automatically comes out of your... You kids, These kids these days, you know, they're paying their bills online. It's better than forgetting... Well, that's an excellent point. It's I don't even check my mailbox. I'm still licking envelopes, buddy. I bet my postal person yeah. hates me because I never check my mailbox. Well, that's not good. That's Rarely. not good. There's, I know there's mail in it. I know there's a lot of mail in it. Well, you got to get that stuff out but of there. But none of it's worth anything. Well, there might be a letter from a, somebody that you knew in high school. It's just... Uh... Yeah, okay. Can I tell you something? <laughs> yeah. Let me, I, tell, you let me tell you another we, thing. Yes. John? Yes. If you really think about the Postal Service, okay, it's kind of amazing that for 66 cents, mm-hmm. you can write a letter or take a check and drop it in a box, and then it'll appear in Oregon. Hopefully. Uh, they're, they're very, within a few they're, days. They're very good. No, they, are. they do, they do a good. fine job. Uh, because, you know, you got the rain, you got the hail, the gloom of night out there. They got the rain or sleet. All of it. They're contending with all that stuff, and yet... It gets to Oregon, of all places. Why are we to, sending anything to Oregon? Right? I don't know. Maybe you got relatives. Could have. All right, Washington. What's Oregon's motto? Does anyone know? Look that up, Dave. Make the, yourself the, make yourself useful over there. The, the, <laughs> Oregon. Oregon's got to have a motto. You know, we're the show me state. Yeah. Let's uh, let's see what Oregon's motto it's is. Probably something to do with beavers. Could be. You got the beavers out there. Let's see. Football team is the Beavers. Uh, well, I don't know. It's it. Uh, let's see. We have asked the unanswerable The official question. English version of the because uh, it's it looks like it's Latin. Okay. She flies with her own wings. Huh. What does that mean? Uh, I well, I don't know. I guess she's not using somebody else's wings. Out it, there. it was coined by uh, Judge Jesse Quinn Thornton. Oh, I don't yeah. know what it means. Back in 1854. Yeah, yeah. J.Q. Thornton, uh, one of the great jurists of uh, the 19th century. That can't be their motto, though. That doesn't no, that's make their any slow, sense. That's the whatever. Their slogan. Yeah, that, that's where it says she flies with her own wings. She flies what, with her own. It was wings. adopted in 1987. Oh well, there you go. All right, that sounds the- like something you you open up on a fortune cookie to me. I you know maybe that's just me. I once got a fortune cookie that said you like Chinese food. <laughs> really. <laughs> that that You're one was kidding written. me. No, it's what it said in my fortune cookie. I, somebody wrote that at two minutes to five on a Friday <laughs> afternoon. Uh, that doesn't even make any sense. That's what it said. So, do you want to know? I do. Uh, John, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Money Magazine, money.com, yeah. Yeah. 50 best places to live in the United States. Yes. You know what's number one? Uh, No. Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, come on. Traffic's terrible. There. Atlanta, Tempe, Kirkland, Washington, Raleigh, North Carolina, and then Rogers Park, which is a suburb of Chicago. Those are the top five. Now, Raleigh, North Carolina makes some sense to me. That's uh, you, you got a nice size community there, but it's a good place to live. The highest ranked Missouri town? Springfield. Kirkwood, Missouri is oh, number 36 okay. on this list. Congratulations, Kirkwood. Way to go, Kirkwood. That's John Hancock. I'm Chris Ranji. This is KMOX. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 